You are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Welcome to another episode of Call for Caring on Purpose podcast. My name is Michelle Bolden, and I'm your host as we journey through caregiving together. The goal of the Call for Caring on Purpose podcast is to educate, elevate, and empower our caregivers during their caregiver journey. Our initial episodes will take us to our third Family Caregiver Expo on Saturday, November the 20th. And we will provide more details regarding the expo to the, towards the end of our conversation. Our topic today um, surrounds our series on planning the caregiver journey. So today we're talking about state resources. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, Georgia has the ninth fastest growing 60 and older population. The Census Bureau estimates that more than 20% of Georgia's population will be 60 or older by 2030, which is an increase of almost 34% from 2012. And I'm sure Georgia is not the only state that has that growing population, so we're all facing that regardless of where you live. So today is very timely as we talk about our growth. I'm excited to introduce um, the first speaker for today's episode, Karen Nelson. She's the team lead for the Aging and Disability Resource Connection at the Georgia Department of Human Resources Division of Aging. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you having me here today. Absolutely. So we're excited about the information that you're going to share with our listeners about what the state is doing, and then Probably other states have similar programs, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But can you start by sharing your background and your current work? I certainly can. So I have been with Georgia's Aging Network for 21 years now, 17 at one of Georgia's 12 area agencies on aging, and then the last four with the Division of Aging Services as the Aging and Disability Resource Connection team lead as you already mentioned. So our team manages information and referral services, which is one of the primary things we have to offer to family caregivers, uh, options counseling programs, and transitions from long-term care facilities back into community-based settings. But that is just a small part of what the Division of Aging Services has to offer. Okay. So can you talk a little bit more about Georgia, Georgia's Department of Human Services um, and your division in particular as it relates to the, the, the aging, the state of Georgia and aging in general? Can you speak a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So the Georgia Department of Human Services, and if I slip into acronyms, DHS, <laughs> Uh, delivers a wide range of human services designed to promote self-sufficiency, safety, and well-being for all Georgians. Our mission at DHS is to strengthen Georgia by providing individuals and families access to services that promote self-sufficiency, independence, and then to protect Georgia's vulnerable adults and children. 
the Department of Human Services vision is stronger families for a stronger Georgia. Mm -hmm. And then within the Division of Human Services, I work for the Division of Aging Services, um, which if I slip into acronyms again is DAS. Uh, and we support older adults, individuals with disabilities and caregivers through a variety of services, again, including information and referral options, counseling, home delivered meals, legal assistance, Medicare counseling. Um, and then we also do adult protective services that inv investigates uh, allegations of abuse, neglect and exploitation of older adults or adults with disabilities. And so our mission is to help all of these individuals achieve safe, healthy, independent, and self-reliant lives. Okay. And so what I did hear you say was not only is for the aging, but also those, those, are dis, those who are disabled. Is that correct? Correct. Yes, okay. absolutely. Right. And so I think sometimes whenever we see that word aging, we always consider everything to be related to seniors. Um, and I just, even with caregivers and when people first think about family caregivers, they instantly begin to think about an older person or a parent, but, you know, we want to support all family caregivers when they're taking care of a loved one, you know, at whatever age. Um, and so as we yes. talk about, as we talk about the family caregiver, how does the state define the family caregiver or is there a definition that the state offers? Well, we do have a definition in our policies and it defines a caregiver as an adult family member or other individual who provides in-home and community care for older adults, individuals with Alzheimer's disease or related dementias, or individuals with a physical or intellectual disability. And so we realize that all, all caregivers are not necessarily family members. Some are simply friends or neighbors who've stepped in to help. And our goal is to serve caregivers, whether or not they're related to the person for whom they're giving care. Well, that's awesome because that is that can sometimes be a challenge when we place a term on family and, you know, whether I could have been raised by an aunt who was like my mother, but she's not literally my mother. And so that's good to hear that that term is a little more broad to kind of expand how our family dynamics now, they just vary so much. So that that's good to hear. So can we talk a little bit more in details about some of the state programs or services that fall under the Division of Aging Services, particularly those that would impact the life of the aging, thus the family caregiver, the life of the aging or the disabled, and which really would impact the family caregiver? So we have a lot of different programs and services, and we could probably do an entirely separate episode devoted just to those individual programs and services. So I'm going to list these kind of at a very high level. But we have, like I already mentioned, uh, home delivered meals programs that bring uh, lunchtime meal out to individuals at home if they're not able to get out and get groceries or food or need nutritional assistance. Uh, we have congregate meal programs, housekeeping assistance, uh, respite care programs that provides relief to the caregiver, provides somebody to come in the home and, and sit with the individual so that the caregiver can get out and take care of their own needs. We have adult day programs for individuals who can't be left at home alone during the day while the caregiver works. And at those adult day programs, they can also get some personal care, including bathing assistance and make sure that they're taking their medications and getting their meals during the day. Uh, so those are some fantastic programs just under the Older Americans Act 
funding that that is provided from the federal government to help meet the needs of aging individuals and their caregivers. But then we also have programs like the Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program that helps advocate for individuals who are in nursing facilities, make sure that if they have complaints, those complaints are addressed and resolved. We have the Senior Community Service Employment Program, which is actually available to individuals who are low income and age 55 plus. If they want to work, this program provides job training for them so that they can become more self-reliant and financially independent. Um, there's the adult protective services that I mentioned earlier, and all of these things are targeted mostly towards the individual who is age 60 plus or 55 plus in the case of senior community employment. Uh, but they help the family get caregiver because the services that these programs provide mean that, that the caregiver does not have to then do those activities for the individual they provide care to. Right. And so now you mentioned before that, and these are not folks that you, you don't have to necessarily qualify for Medicaid for these programs. Is that correct? That is absolutely, yes, that is absolutely correct. So the Older Americans Act tells us that if we do not have the funding to provide services to everybody who requests the service, that we do have to target those who are at the, at the highest socioeconomic risk. So people who are out in rural areas or who are very low income or who are minority populations, uh, we have to target them if we cannot serve everyone. But there is no income or resource cap for the services funded under the Older Americans Act. And I think that's such a critical point because I think as we often share information about state programs, the first response I get is that I make too much money or I don't think I qualify for Medicaid. And that's not always the case. And I just encourage family caregivers just to ask the questions. All they can say is no, right? So if there's an opportunity... (laughs) to apply for a program or service, just take it because sometimes what we have to do is connect all the dots and put all the pieces together in order to get the 100% care that we want for our loved one and to give ourselves a break. So I think that's a key point that a lot of resources are out there, whether you qualify for Medicaid, Medicare, et cetera, the resources are there. Yes, they absolutely are. And and you're absolutely right on on reach out because the worst thing that you can be told really for these services is that we don't have any openings right now. Mm -hmm. And so you may have to go on a waiting list for some of these services and they might even tell you that based on the income, there might be a cost share obligation. So we do our services on a um, sliding fee scale. And so higher income people might be asked to pay part of the cost of their services, but the majority of the people that we talk to pay zero to 25% of the actual cost of the care they receive. Absolutely. Well, that, that's, again, that, that's, just, that's just great information for us to share. And please reach out and just ask the questions. We, we say all the time that you're not in this alone. And so there are resources that can help you. It's just a matter of just reaching out. One of the other things I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about is um, how does Division of Aging um, Services provide oversight over senior abuse or neglect? You mentioned a little bit about it before, but can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So the purpose of the Adult Protective Services, which is part of the Division of Aging Services, is to investigate reports of abuse, neglect, or exploitation of older adults, again, 60 plus, or disabled adults, 18 plus, 
and to deter the ongoing maltreatment of those individuals. So if an, an investigation reveals that abuse, neglect, or ex exploitation actually occurred, then they will, uh, the APS caseworker worker will partner with law enforcement to address the criminal concerns and then reach out to other community-based agencies to help address any identified needs to deter the ongoing abuse, neglect, and exploitation. So a lot of times what is found is that, you know, caregivers are not being maliciously um, neglectful of people that they're caring for, but they, they're just stretched to the limits. And so if, if they just need some support and there's no intent to do harm, they just literally and I'm going to classify that kind of under neglect and say, you know, they're not intentionally neglecting this person, but caregivers are, are pulled so hard between I have children at home and mom on the other side of town and I got to get the softball practice and, you know, somebody had to stay after school and how do I meet all of these needs? And sometimes the neighbors might look at that and go, well, she's not taking care of mom and they might call in a report of neglect. And, and it doesn't feel great to be on the receiving end of that phone call by any means, but it helps connect people to the services that are going to support them and make sure that those needs are met. So, you know, we hate to to accuse anybody and, and DAS does not make the accusations. We investigate the allegations of uh, abuse, neglect and exploitation. But when we say that somebody is really trying to meet the needs, but they're just struggling, we're connecting them to those community-based services that are available and providing the information and referral to connect them to services and supports that can help. And in, in severe cases where the person may actually like not have a family caregiver and they're just not doing a, a great job of providing their own care, adult protective services can petition for the appointment of a guardian if the individual lacks capacity and that is what's necessary to provide protection for that individual. Right. And, you know, I, I agree that most of the time it's not a matter of purposely neglecting someone. They're just overwhelmed and they just don't know where to go. The house may not look right. The yard, maybe the person looks a little disheveled, but it could also be because they keep taking their clothes off. You know, maybe they're in that stage of, you know, their disease. And so as people are looking in, we need to really be empathetic about what our caregivers are going through, because honestly, most of them are really trying to do the best that they can, and they just need some resources. So I'm glad to hear that the first step is kind of identifying really what's going on. Do they just need some more help? And more often than not, they don't. And I just want people to know that when you talk about APS, so many people often think about physical abuse, but, you know, financial, and sometimes, unfortunately, it's family members who are doing that. And so we do need to share that information because we do want to protect our most vulnerable. Um, but I'm glad to hear that's the first aspect is where is the help needed? Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk a little bit about the yellow dot program? So I can. This is a very creative and innovative partnership between the G Georgia Department of Public Health and the Georgia Department of Human Services Division of Aging Services. And so what this is, is um, it's a program that may help save your life or the life of the person you're caring for. Yellow Dot is a folder and a sticker that you can use in your car and at home. So what it is, is a yellow dot. That's a creative name for the program because that's what it is. It's a yellow dot sticker and it, it lets first responders know that somewhere either in your glove box in your car, so you would put this yellow dot sticker on your car window, you know, to make sure that first responders would see that. They'll know to check your glove box. 
um, and if they see it on your front door or your window at home, then they know to check in or around your refrigerator for the yellow dot folder that contains information on medical conditions, medications that you're taking, any allergies that you have, um, and other important information that will help them figure out what the best way to respond to a medical emergency is. So when seconds count, the information in the yellow dot folder really makes sure that the first responders have the information they need. And that is free for individuals to participate in. All they have to do if they're interested is email yellowdot.info at DPH, and that's for Department of Public Health, DPH at uh, .ga.gov. So yellow dot, dot info at DPH.ga.gov. That's great. I mean, and I absolutely agree. Seconds make a difference. Um, but also, again, when I think about some of our um, clients and dementia, you know, we try to tell them, prepare yourself for the day that they walk out the door and they turn around and they have no idea where they are. And so they're lost. So having something like the yellow dot program, there's always, there's a folder already ready. So when you have to give out flyers or contact, you know, emergency services, then you have something already together. So that's great. Great. It is. And, and this is not a program that the Division of Aging Services offers, but for those individuals with dementia, I do want to mention that one of our partner organizations, the Alzheimer's Organ uh, Association, does have a safe return program. So it's like a medic alert bracelet, mm -hmm. but you register it online. And so if somebody is wondering and they have on that safe return bracelet, then it's going to provide first responders with the, the um, contact person that is providing care to that individual and let them know who this person is and that they have dementia and you know how to get them back home safely. So right. I encourage folks to check out the Alzheimer's Association for um, the safe return program if they're dealing uh, with that. Great, that's great, great information. Um, yeah, we love to share, share, share for the many good resources that are out there. We can never give people too much information. Um, now you mentioned a little bit about um, you know some federal funding. Are there any other programs or any other ways that the state kind of works with the federal government to support family caregivers? So the Older Americans Act that I talked about earlier actually has provisions specifically for family caregivers in it, and um, it establishes the National Family Caregiver Support Program, which requires states to provide information to caregivers about available services, assistance in accessing those services, individual counseling, organization of support groups, caregiver training, respite care, which I mentioned before, and supplemental services on a limited basis. So if there's just like, you're a caregiver and you're gonna have surgery and it's, you have to have somebody providing care to mom while you're going in for surgery and recovering, right? So we can put in some services for a limited time to relieve you as the caregiver while you take care of yourself, because that is so important that our caregivers take care of themselves. And so we can supplement services for them uh, while they take care of themselves to make sure that the person that they're caring for is cared for as well. And all of that, again, is, is a partnership between the state unit on aging, the Division of Aging Services, and the federal level administration for community living and carrying out the provisions of the Older Americans Act. Okay. Wow, that's yeah, that that's um that's great information. The National Family Caregiver Act. Okay, awesome. So, um, 
let's talk a little bit more about, um, I started off with some numbers about our senior population growing. So are there any state programs being developed or improved to kind of meet this increasing need of our aging and then their caregivers? So continuous quality improvement is a tenant of the work that we do at DAS. We are constantly reviewing our programs and the data and client satisfaction surveys and the service requests that are coming in to make sure that we are providing and developing robust programming to meet the needs of all Georgians. Um, but a key component of that is our public hearings and listening sessions. And all 12 of our area agencies on aging in Georgia hold annual public hearings where they are soliciting feedback from people in the community about what services and supports they need. And that is so important. I can tell you from the 20 years I've been doing this work that too often those listening sessions and public hearings are not attended by family caregivers or even older individuals themselves who are in native services. They are driven very much by uh, provider organizations and, and really soliciting funding for what's already in existence, you know, and making sure they continue to be able to provide those services and supports that are out there. Um, and so I would love to tell you that, that we at the Division of Aging Services are the most forward-thinking people in the world and that we come up with brilliant ideas all on our own, but we really need the feedback from those caregivers. What is it that you need that you currently cannot find anywhere or you don't know how to find and then that's how we develop those programs and services to meet those needs. When we hear, so, so we do annual needs assessments and when we see in those needs assessments that, hey, a large percentage of our feedback is saying they need this thing and we don't currently have that thing, then we look for a way to develop that thing. So one of the things that we've done most recently in, in regards to that is linking people to assistive technology. So I mentioned earlier, maybe somebody is at home alone during the day and they're in the early stages of a dementia. And, and so they know kind of what's going on, but they may forget to take their medications. Do you know there are technology uh, things out there that, that you can set up as the caregiver on Sunday when you're visiting mom that will beep every time it's time for her to take her medication? Yes. And it will yes. make that medication only available. Right. And when it's time to take the next dose, it will move to that next dose so that only that dose is available. Right. And so when you come back next Sunday, you will know every medication dose that she missed, right. uh, what time she was supposed to have taken it. And, and then, you know, you can keep track of that that way. So there's a lot of technologies out right. there. And we've partnered with the um, Georgia Tech, who is the state's Assistive Technology Act program, to help get some of those things in the hands of people, because that's what we were hearing. You know, I don't need somebody in the house. I just need a way to make sure mom remembers to take her medication every day. Mm, wow. And so, you know, yes, we are constantly adapting and, and changing our programming and, and developing new programming to meet the needs, but we need to hear from the people who need the services about what we don't already know that they need. Right. So I hear a call to action for our caregivers that this is your opportunity to seek out the public hearing sessions, to come with those ideas, things that you wish could happen. 
you know, even if it seems out of the box, you know, put it out there and you never know what can happen. So um, I hear the call to action for our caregivers to be able to do that. Um, So we may have listeners who are not just in Georgia, but, you know, across the nation. So are there, most states have this division or something comparative to this division as well. Um, How would they kind of seek out that resource if they needed to? So the Administration for Community Living, which I've mentioned before, is the federal level uh, agency that oversees these programs nationwide, and they have developed the Elder Care Locator. And you can find that online at eldercare.acl or administrationforcommunityliving.gov. So eldercare.acl.gov, or you can call by phone at one 800 677 1116 and they will put you in touch with the the state unit on aging wherever you live. Great, wonderful. So what are two actions if you could pick two? I know there's plenty we could probably do, but if you could just choose two, what are two actions you recommend our family caregivers take immediately after listening to this podcast? So the first thing I would suggest is that you take care of yourself first. It's just like when the oxygen mask drops in the airplane. They always tell you, put yours on first before you try to help anybody else. And that is so important if you are a caregiver. Take care of yourself first, because if you don't set appropriate boundaries and stay socially connected with other people who can provide emotional support to you and maybe even tips and tricks to help you, you will burn out in a hurry. And then you will need care just like the person you are currently providing care to. So take care of yourself first. Um, And then the second thing that I would recommend that that caregivers do immediately after listening to this is to talk to the person they're providing care for about their wishes. And so what do they want you to do right now? A lot of times we as caregivers want to jump in and just do everything, particularly if it's for our parents or the grandparents who raised us or, or whomever we owe a debt of gratitude to, right? We want to jump in and do everything, but maybe they don't need us to do everything. Maybe they don't even want us to do everything. And so maybe we can relieve some of that burden just by asking them, what do you need me to help you with? Um, But while you're talking about what they need help with right now, make sure that you're also talking about what they're going to need help with in the future. Make sure that they have got advanced directives in place, that they have a designated health care power of attorney in case they become incapacitated. And those things are so important because you may end up in a situation where someone is having to make decisions and you want to make sure that you know what that person wanted you to make the decision about on their behalf and that you are the person they wanted making those decisions. And so uh, do that. First, take care of yourself and then make sure you're talking to them about what they want now in the present and down the road in the future. Wow, that is great. That is great information and great action steps. I mean, that that's just perfect. So are there any websites, phone numbers, social media sites, et cetera, that you recommend caregivers follow? I would say first and foremost, go to the Georgia ADRC, and that stands for Aging and Disability Resource Connection. Um, Georgia, spell out Georgia, georgiaadrc.com. And that is our Georgia Aging and Disability Resource Connection website. We've talked a lot about area agencies on aging, but we also partner with our Centers for Independent Living who help individuals of all ages and disabilities live independent lives and support them in ways that, um, you know, the area agencies on aging may not be able to do. 
Uh, it will connect you with our other partners like the Georgia Tech Tools for Life program, the Assistive Technology Act I was just talking about. So start with GeorgiaADRC.com and, and you can get connected to almost any types of services and supports right there. Awesome. So now how, if they needed to get in touch with you or your organization, how can they do that? So the best way to do that is to contact us by phone. And the reason I say by phone, I know a lot of people like to do things online um, in this modern world. But if you call by phone, you will talk to a trained ADRC counselor who can help navigate your situation and get you the best responses for you your specific situation. And so they can contact the Area Agency on Aging slash ADRC in their local area by calling 866-552-4464 and selecting option two for Aging and Disability Resource Connection or ADRC. And, and that will put them in touch with their local Area Agency on Aging. Let me add this caveat based on the phone number they're calling from. So if you're calling okay. from a cell phone, it's an out-of-state number, it's just going to rotate you to one of 12 area agencies on aging in the state of Georgia. Might not be your most local one, but they will be able to put you in, in contact with your local area agency okay. So Karen, can you give that phone number one more time, please? I can. It is 866-552-4464. And you'll select option two when you get the menu. Okay. Well, we, we've picked up a lot of information during, our, during the first part of our conversation. And I just want to hit some key areas. Um, I think that yellow dot folder program is really important for people to look into the safety for yourself and your loved one. Um, and we really want to look into our opportunities under the Older American Act. Um, and then these resources that had made that were mentioned today are not necessarily related to how much money that you make. So you may still qualify for these programs to be able to take benefit um, to some of the opportunities here that that was mentioned. And self-care, it's definitely something that is so key and important for all of us because we can't help others if we're not helping ourselves. So I want to thank you, Karen, for today. Um, Karen Nelson, the Aging and Disability Resource Connection Team Lead for the Georgia Department of Human Services, the Division of Aging Services. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. So we're going to take a sponsor break. And then after our break, we'll discuss additional state resources with our next guest, who's the director of the Atlanta Regional Commission. We'll be right back. We would like to thank our sponsor, Home Helpers of North Atlanta. They are giving care the way you want to be cared for. You can schedule a free assessment at 404-624-4663. Welcome back. We want to thank our sponsor. We'll continue our conversation on planning the caregiver journey, state resources. And we have Becky Kurtz, the director of the Area Ag Agency on Aging, um, to join us. And I'm so excited to have you. Welcome, Becky. Thank you, Michelle. Good to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely. So can you kind of share a little bit about your background and your current work? Sure. Let me start with my current work. Um, so I work at the Atlanta Regional Commission. Um, that is an agency that serves the 10 county metro area. So city of Atlanta and the 10 counties around it. And um, at Atlanta Regional Commission or ARC, um, I direct our aging and independent services group. 
And we really are the area agency on aging for Metro Atlanta. And we can talk more about what that means and, and you know, the, the services provided. But um, yeah, that's what I do currently. And um, my background before I came to ARC about four and a half years ago, I worked at both the federal and the state levels in the long-term care ombudsman program. So serving people living in nursing facilities and mm-hmm. assisted living, personal care homes. And then also um, I am an attorney by trade and I used to work mm-hmm. at Atlanta Legal Aid Society doing elder law. So that mm-hmm. was sort of my uh, career trajectory. Oh, to get wow. To here. Very interesting background. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, there's a lot of connection between the state and the city and the counties as it relates to what you do. And so I w- can you explain the relationship mm-hmm. between the Georgia Department of Human Services Division of Aging, the Metro Atlanta Area Agency um, on aging, and then also ARC as well? Michelle, that's a great question because it gets so confusing. Yes. So, so actually, I'm going to start not at the state level, but the federal level. So Congress passed a law called the Older Americans Act, actually more than 50 years ago, and it sets up our aging network across the country. Congress funds the Older Americans Act and funds come to every state unit on aging. Those federal dollars are matched with some state dollars and the state unit on aging, which in Georgia is the Division of Aging Services. You just heard Karen Nelson speaking from there. The Division of Aging Services then sends funds out to each area agency on aging. Every part of the state is covered by one of the 12 area agencies on aging, or sometimes we say AAA. The AAA for Metro Atlanta is us, Atlanta Regional Commission. And we receive those federal and state grant funds and other funds as well for aging services and also some services for people with disabilities who are who are younger um, to provide those services in our area. So that's the structure of the aging network and how we fit with the state. The state gives us funds and they also give us direction on how um, how we can spend those funds and what services we may provide with them. Okay, awesome. So can you share a little bit about the programs or services that your organization provides to help the family caregiver? Absolutely. I want to start with our core service, which Karen talked about, the Aging and Disability Resource Connection. We actually call it Empowerline here in Metro Atlanta. And Empowerline is all of the services that we provide to consumers. But the really important thing for folks to know is they can call us or they can go on our website and learn about what's out there and what they qualify for if they need public funding. We also provide information for folks who don't need public funding or don't qualify for public funding, but just need help knowing how to ask the right question and what kind of things are even out there and how do I find the providers. So there are two ways to reach us. One is our website, empowerline.org. And that has not only good information on it in general, but it also allows you to search on your own, like a self-service function. So you can search for 
who provides this kind of service in my community? Then mm-hmm. also, we have information counselors. These are trained, certified individuals who can counsel one-on-one and help individuals figure out what's available to them and how they can connect to services. So again, that number is 404-463-3333 for our Empowerline Information Counselors. And, you know, I give that information out all the time um, because it does give the caregiver so much information when you don't know where to start, what questions to ask. The Empower Line is such um, a great resource. The counselors are awesome. You can find out information about Meals on Wheels, transportation, um, sometimes if there are even county resources. I know you guys connect that way as well, um, that certain counties may have grants available as well, and they can kind of start that information there. Um, so your organization also helps with some screening for some of the state waiver programs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I mentioned that people can call us, um, whether they qualify for public benefits or not, but there's two different kinds of public benefits that we do the screening for. One of those are the Older Americans Act funded services. And for that, we target those in the greatest socioeconomic need. And we're really going to um, try to match people up with, with the services they need if they're uh, um, 60 plus and if they have um need and we have to prioritize it's not every it's not first come first serve it is for older americans act it is let's take the people who have the heaviest needs unmet needs and start with them and move down uh, as we have funds available the third bucket is medicaid waiver programs Mm -hmm. so medicaid has um funding for home and community-based services i want to say a word about the waiver. Why do we call it a waiver? It's a waiver because Georgia has asked for special permission to have people who qualify for Medicaid. So that means both financially and they qualify for the level of care that they would need to be in a nursing home. And what Georgia has said is let's provide those services in a person's home and get permission to do that in their home instead of in a nursing home. So that's the Medicaid Home and Community-Based Services waiver. And we are the entry point for the Elderly and Disabled Waiver Program in Georgia. You got to come through us. We'll do an intake. We'll do a screening to let you know whether you're likely to qualify. And then if we think that you are based on those Uh, state guidelines, then we connect you up with a case manager who then decides with you what your goals are, what your needs for services are, and what kinds of service options are available to you. We don't do that piece of it. We do that initial intake and screening to help people know if they qualify and then connect them up with case managers. That's not us. Right. And so the value in those services are for those family caregivers is that it gives you help. Aids can come and support you and your loved one for a period of hours at a time based upon what you qualify for. So it's such a valuable program if you're able to qualify. But if you're not, again, I think the Empower Line gives you more resources that can help you figure out maybe what's your next plan or what your options are as well. And Michelle, that's exactly why 
state Medicaid has chosen area agencies on aging for this service for intake and screening because they know that we not only are the Medicaid entry, but also the entry for Older Americans Act and also the entry for information about non-public funded. So that way, no matter what you qualify for, you don't have to figure out what you qualify for. You call and then we help you navigate that in incredibly complex process. Yes, absolutely. So um, again, the number 404-463-3333. I know it by heart because I give it out all the time um, because it is such a wealth of information. And so um, I just, I value the work that you do. And I'm sure once the family caregivers use that resource, they'll value it as well. So we talked about some of the resources that you that you um, provide um, or services. Are there any other commonly used yes. resources that the family caregivers benefit from? Absolutely. So I just started with the information counseling, but I want to give you two examples of things we do with our staff and then two examples of things that we do through grants to providers of services. Internally, we have a telephone consultation service designed for caregivers. It's called BRI Care Consultation. BRI is the Benjamin Rose Institute that created this model. And it's an ongoing consultation one-on-one with a counselor to help caregivers understand their role and responsibilities and most importantly, supports that are out there for them on this journey. So we do that um, with our staff, um, helping caregivers. Another one that we do is a series of classes, education for caregivers called Powerful Tools for Caregivers. Mm. And both this Powerful Tools for Caregivers and the Care Consultation Service are what we call evidence-based programs. They're Mm. programs that have been studied and researched as having a really important and successful impact on the success of caregivers, family caregivers specifically. So so those are two examples that our staff provide. And then we also fund other providers through grants. And two things we do, examples on that are respite, which is really just saying a break for the caregiver. So we can do that in-house Uh, We pay for that for people to get a break to actually get out of the house and go do something and have a caregiver in their house watching the older adult and giving support. Or um, we can also have out-of-home respite, which is maybe um, a day in an adult day center so the caregiver can have a break at home or a break away from home, but they just have more. the, The individual needing care can be out of the house for a short time. And then the other um, option that um, we also fund is called kinship care. Mm. So that's where an older adult is the caregiver of a younger person. So grandparents raising grandchildren, aunts or uncles um, raising children. Um, We do have a few programs that we fund related to kinship care as well. Wow, I'm running out of paper here trying to keep notes <laughs> on some of this information. I, you know, I thought I knew a lot about it, but wow, I'm just learning so much more. This is awesome. I, this, this is exactly why we have this podcast so that 
family caregivers can know what's out there and it's so much and, you know, they feel so alone. So this is just great information that does provide them resources to take better care of their loved one. Um, So, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Oh, yeah. So how has the pandemic impact the way that you provide services to the public? Well, I'm going to try to make this brief because I've done a whole hour presentation on that question. But um, we've discovered that the need for accurate and updated information, including all the changes in what's out there, right, that resources are changing daily, like how do I get rent support? How do I get food? How do I, it changes daily. Yes. And so the need to have updated and accurate information is critical. And we are spending a ton of information, a, a ton of our staff time updating that information daily. Um, avoiding residential long-term care has become a big issue. So people have not wanted to go into nursing homes or assisted living. They've wanted to avoid those congregate settings. So how do we help them get the services they need in home or even help them transition? We have a nursing home transition program where we Mm -hmm. help individuals transition to the community from a nursing home. So that is also in high demand added financial burdens, um, partly because people have lost employment or their family members have lost employment. Um, That's been a big issue. But then the biggest one, I think, for this population has been people staying at home and sometimes refusing in-home visitors to stay safe, understandably. But the fallout from that has been Isolation and loneliness, exhaustion of caregivers, food insecurity, and last but not least, the growth of virtual services. So whether that's telehealth or whether that's communicating with people virtually, that need for technology and internet access that not everybody has. So that's been huge, a huge change for us, um, that we've found ways to respond to each and every one of these challenges, Mm -hmm. but boy, have there been challenges. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, that's one thing about the pandemic. It has uncovered some things that, you know, we kind of knew was there, but definitely it's in the light now. Yeah. And the inequity of all of this too. Let me not pull it fail to say that because it has been far more devastating to people of color and to older adults who are more vulnerable to death and hospitalization from COVID than younger adults. Although Delta variants changing that were that life uh, a little bit, but, but yeah, it's, um, it's been inequitable too. And boy, has it shown a spotlight on that inequity issue. Absolutely. So there are communities, people of color that are definitely impacted much more. And, you know, hopefully some of that evidence will um, allow for significant changes to be made at the city, state and federal level in order to address a lot of those issues. And so um, that's great that that information is being obtained. And I look forward to what's going to be done to make it uh, 
a different path for the for the people of color, family caregivers in general, because there's so much opportunities that I think we have at a state and federal level to make things better for the family caregiver. Our aging population is not going away. It's only going to increase. We don't have enough space probably in facilities to handle those things. So this is an opportunity to allow for people to stay really where they want to be and they have a much better quality of life, reduction of infections and falls, et cetera, when they are in a safe environment. So, okay, I'm going to move on to the next question. We could be here forever. We really uh, could. Michelle, can I add one more comment about the exhaustion of caregivers? Because since this is really for caregivers, I want caregivers to know they're not alone and that if they're feeling exhausted, that is normal. The Roslyn um, Carter Institute Mm-hmm. for caregiving did a study about caregivers and found that because of the pandemic 83% so almost every caregiver said they are more stressed than they were before the pandemic that the wow. pandemic has caused additional stress in their lives so it is taking a toll on caregivers yes. and i just want to send my heart out to people who are really suffering and challenged by the, by the additional stress of COVID. Um, So anyway, I, I I took additional time on that, but I I just feel like it's (laughs) for people to know they're not the only ones feeling this and they really should not hesitate to reach out for help. It's not an embarrassing thing to reach out for health help. Everybody needs the support. Everybody. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, um, so what we talked about pretty much was for Metro Atlanta, Georgia residents. Now, if someone is living in a different state, are there comparable resources generally for people in other states that may be similar to what you provide? Yes, because every area agency on, I mean, every county, every city is covered by an area agency on aging. Okay. Okay. So you just need to look in your, if you have the old fashioned phone book, the blue pages under area agency on aging or senior services. And then if you have online, if you have that access, just look up area agency on aging. There's actually a a national website called the elder care locator that um, you can find out where your um, area agency on aging is that way. And they'll connect you. Okay. All right. So the work that you all do, it impacts thousands, as you mentioned. Um, Are there volunteer opportunities to support the work that your agency does? Oh, thank you for asking. Yes. (laughs) So we have one new volunteer opportunity that we developed because of COVID, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And this was to address social isolation and loneliness. We've developed a program called One to One. It's a telephone reassurance program where we match volunteers. We train them. We give them criminal background screening so that we're minimizing the risk and we're supporting those volunteers. And then we match volunteers to older adults who are isolated and lonely. So uh, if you know of older people who would like that reassuring call once in a while, couple times a week or if you know people who would like to volunteer to reach out and stay connected uh, we are finding great success with that program 
Awesome. And the, the second thing that I want to mention is something we've been having for years, which is our AmeriCorps Seniors Program. Sometimes it's called RSVP, okay. and it focuses on retired professionals who want to still use their skills. And so what we've done is we've developed a series of educational sessions and outreach opportunities that those retired professionals help us with. So we have, and we train them on, you know, how to be an expert in this. So it can be everything from um, how do I qualify for benefits? How do I get access to services? Um, how do I manage diabetes, um, older adults and sexuality? And we've got an array of topics mm -hmm. and then we train volunteers so they can then be presenters in the community. Awesome. So we love to have our AmeriCorps senior volunteers. Right. Again, well, call Empower Line if you want to know more about how to volunteer, 404-463-3333. Wonderful. That's great. So as we prepare to wrap up, what are two actions that you recommend our lis listeners take immediately after listening to this podcast? <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. Write down our number. 404-463-3333 and then write it down and put it up on your bulletin board or your refrigerator or wherever you <laughs> wherever you keep numbers because if you don't need us today that's okay you can mm -hmm. use us later though you know sometimes you're going to find ooh i just need to know if there's help for this right um right. so that's the main thing that's it's just one but take it mm -hmm. yeah write it well write it down and post it there's two right. <laughs> And, you or, know, share with a friend, right? Because and share with a friend. Share, yeah. share with a friend. Or if you use the internet, empowerline.org. Okay. And, uh, you know, keep that handy um, because you can learn a lot from our website and we can connect you to resources that way. So you don't have to. More and more people like to do their own searches. Right. Don't blame them. Um, you know, so we also have a Facebook page and a Twitter feed. So if folks want to keep connected to us through social media, we welcome that as well. Okay. And so would you say those are the best ways to reach out to you all? Your organization is through the Empower Line via the yes, website absolutely. and the phone number. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Yep. For consumer, for, for information for the general public, that's really where it, for aging services and disability services, that's definitely the number to call for, for Metro okay. Atlanta. Yep. Okay, absolutely. Yep. Well, I tell you, it has been such a great conversation. And I know that people have benefited from the information that you provided and the work that you do. I just want to thank you so much for that information, and all that you all do, your volunteers, your employees. It's just awesome. Thanks, Michelle. And thank you for the work you're doing to support caregivers. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity to um, to help people know more about what is out there for them because they're not alone. They don't yeah. have to be alone. And what you're doing is helping them understand what might be out there for them to support them. Well, thank you. And, you know, we want to remind our audience that our 2021 Atlanta, Atlanta Family Caregiver Expo is on November the 20th. Um, you can find out more about the information and register for the expo at callforcaring.org. This event is filled with home-based resources. We have a speaker series, uh, the virtual dementia tours. You can do one-on-one -on -one consultations with a nurse or a pharmacist. 
financial legal guidance. Uh, We'll have COVID-19 testing and vaccines. And we want to treat you special that day. The family caregiver, you deserve a treat and we'll be looking forward to doing that for you. So the Call for Caring on Purpose podcast is a part of the Finding Your Forte channel on Up To Me Radio at www.uptomeradio.com. It can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So we hope you received and enjoyed the information that was provided today on our podcast. We hope we met our goal to educate, elevate, and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey. Thank you. Thank you.